You're listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the Nutmeg Assist. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this bonus episode of the TNA Podcast, brought to you by the Nutmeg Assist. Myself, Ritwik, the host for the show, and I'm joined by my co-host Chris, as usual. Welcome, mate. Thank you very much, Ritwik. Thank you. Yeah, and and what we'll be discussing today is. the transfers related to the merseyside the two merseyside giants liverpool and liverpool b or liverpool so it's like b champ you said i'm just joking around so we'll be discussing liverpool and everton's transfer window so far so we'll we'll directly head on to the podcast or the talk now and our patron deeter has asked a general consensus or a general view chris on what you think of both the clubs transfer windows well i'll start with everton's rifwick i'll start with everton's yeah. which i think well can't come it's been excellent really a lot better than what i expected it to be if i'm being brutally honest i didn't see all three players coming in uh, with the type of club that we're getting we're a bit of a journalist's paradise really because we get linked with every single player that becomes available uh, throughout the summer obviously we're heavily linked with alan I thought maybe that was partially down to Ancelotti's previous links. We were always linked with Rodriguez for the the same reason and we've been linked with the Core for the last two seasons now. So to actually get all three in has been fantastic business in my opinion especially for the cost that they've got them in at now that Rodriguez's transfer has been confirmed as essentially a free transfer and he just paid the remainder of his contract off. I think it's been fantastic. All three players improved the first 11, which is quite it, it's quite rare of a team on our level to get three players in one transfer window that come in and improve the first 11. Normally players might get four or five players where one or two might come straight in and the rest are just essentially squad players, which we've done in a past ourselves. That's why I'm referring to that and that's how I know it happens. But all three players come in and take us up two levels straight away and I think you've seen that in the performances already even though it's early doors and I'm not taking nothing for granted for the rest of the season but yeah. the level that we're playing at and just there just them free as individuals just their general ability as individuals you can see that they've took us up a level and the fact that what they've done for the rest of the players around them they've also took them players up a level as well the carvet lewins of this world specifically so as an overall transfer window it's been for the it's been the best for for a long time probably since i'd probably probably say the best in terms of personnel since maybe roberto roberto martinez's first transfer window when he got lukaku in and Gareth Barry but they yeah. were all, they were both on loan as well so it's been the best in a long time and plus we can't f- we can't forget about Nkunku as well yeah, the young left back that we've got for who has made a, a massive impression on many Evertonians just for, even if it's just as on his appearances in the Carabao Cup it's been fantastic and I know it's been against Salford and Fleetwood but this kid this kid is a first team player he's going to play a lot for the first team this year and he, it's it's going to be great to have someone of his quality to bring in when Dinye needs a rest or if he was to get injured uh, which he has done in previous seasons and we've missed that we, we we've missed that sort of dynamism when Dinye gets injured and that attack and threat 
down the left hand side and, and Cuckoo for me it doesn't look like there's any I haven't seen a weakness to his game yet but obviously that yeah. will, that that's only based on the two games uh, that I've seen him on obviously he will come up against better opposition throughout the season yeah. so only time will tell for that but he looks like a really really promising player so as a window yeah this is the, the, the happiest I've been as an Everton fan for a long time just purely based on transfer window activity. Yeah, so so out of 10, if you had to rate this window so far, how, how much would you actually rate out of 10? 10. Yeah, 10 out of 10. Yeah. Oh, that's bold. That's that's really bold. <laughs> yeah, ten. Yeah, ten out of ten. As a trans- again, obviously we'll probably have banter in a minute about uh, who's won the yeah. transfer window, and I, 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 that's a team that I, I generally hate. One because it's never us, <laughs> and two uh, just because I mean you can never tell because it depends on how they play throughout the season, but just in terms of. Bringing in players for what we need. Now, I was a bit worried when we were getting linked with Alan. Not because of him as a player, but because Ancelotti seemed intent on... It didn't look like Ancelotti was going to move from his 4-4-2 that he he used last season. So I was thinking, well, if he brings Alan in and he doesn't bring anyone alongside him, then Alan doesn't give us anything that we need. But he's brought Alan in, which we we needed his... uh, defensive stability and his ability to intercept and uh, close play down but then he's also brought the core in as well that gives us a little bit more of an option going forward and defensively so now that makes Gomez better because it takes a bit, a bit of responsibility away from him that he had last season which he weren't good at yeah, and absolutely. then and, that, and then they've added the creativity in Rodriguez also from a tactical point of view it, it makes us a little bit it gives us variation now because as you've seen from the first two games, we've been playing with 4-3-3. We can go back to the 4-4-2. Alan yeah. and Decore would, as a, as a two in the central midfield, would still be strong enough, a lot stronger than the 4-4-2 we were playing last year with Sigurdsson and Gomez or Gomez and Tom Davis or Sigurdsson and Tom Davis, whoever it may be. Uh, and they've even got the option, I think, of playing Rodriguez inside once he, once he becomes a bit more adjusted to Premier League life and the, and the league itself and the, the, the physicality of the league. Uh, even though that sometimes that can be overplayed because good players are good players. They can play anywhere. They can yeah. play in any league. Uh, but once he becomes a bit more adjusted to that, he can play, for me, the way he played at Bayern Munich, which was like a number eight, and he played a lot deeper. So that gives us options now, Everton. We don't have to be rigid to the four-two-three-one that we've played, or so fixed on the four-two-three-one that we've played over the last five years because we've had to play that formation to cover for some yeah. players' ineptability. To, to put it lightly, yeah, and uh, in, so, in my in yeah in in my ahead. opinion yeah in my opinion if you had to you know look at Everton's transfer window basically I mean we we've actually had this discussion before as well Alan Ducure Rodriguez Hamas uh, so Alan again we we had our own doubts as well I I also share the same opinion with you so if if you're just bringing in Alan to this uh, Everton team from Napoli I thought it was Carlo Ancelotti showing some love for his former player. I know he's yeah. really good because he's played a lot of times against Liverpool already and he was brilliant in all those games. So I know how good he is. I, I watched a bit of Serie A as well and he, he's a really, really, really amazing player. But my doubt was he is 29 and is yeah. this another... And with, with Everton, you never know because Everton kind of try and buy these names from Barcelona, the reject the rejects from Barcelona. But this time they kind of bought from Italy. They bought players who are really good 
Italy, Spain, yeah. and even in England, Dukure is not bad. I, I would say he's still a good, a decent player who has, I guess, a little bit more to his game to add. He's 27, but again, he's good. I thought that was yeah. a that was a smart signing again. But Allen, I had doubts. Not because not on his quality, but but if he if if he would actually be the right man for Everton, so that was my yeah. doubt. And on Hamez, on Hamez, my doubt again. I again had a doubt on Hamez, not because again, not because of his quality, because we all know how good he is on his day. But in his last year. He was actually struggling to get games at Real Madrid. I don't know if it was Zidane not fancying him, or if it was because of his performance. But I was not very much impressed, even when he played a few minutes as well in Spain. There were signs of him kind of declining. But watching the first two games, what I say is brilliance on the pitch. Hamas, especially with his passing. Even the first game against Tottenham, he had some really amazing moments. West Brom again. They completely destroyed West Brom, didn't you guys? So, yeah. so I mean, I had my doubt again, but I think the transfer window again probably is. I mean, I, I'll be a little harsh, but I think it's still eight out of ten, probably from a general perspective. And eight is a really, really good rating, honestly speaking, in my for me. Yeah, yeah. The reason I the reason I've gone for a ten is because again, like I said before, transfer window. You never if these players get injured now for the rest of the season. <laughs> Then again, I'm talking from a hypothetical point of view and a scenario-based basis. If these players were to get injured for the rest of the season, not play another game all year, then the window is quite bad, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm talking. Yeah. So I'm. I'm. That the way. That's the way I approach it. But I'm looking at it purely from a what they've done for our team. Again, so you can only you can only judge a transfer window like you can't really compare Everton's to Liverpool's, for example. And obviously, I'm only comparing those teams two teams now because they're the teams that we support. Because, like, say for example, there's probably many Evertonians out there that will go right. Well, Everton's transfer window has been better than Liverpool's, but the fact is, we're at a lower level than Liverpool. So, like the the free play, like for example, sorry, let me let me. Weird this correctly. There's probably many Evertonians that are saying Everton's transfer window is better than Liverpool's because we've brought in three players that improve our first team, as where Liverpool have maybe only brought one player in that improves their first team. However, that's because Everton's first team need a lot more improvement than Liverpool's. So you can't sometimes in those situations you can't compare it and who's done the better business. And when I give my Everton's ten out of ten. This was a transfer window that Everton absolutely there was no manoeuvre for error. They could not get another transfer window wrong. They had to go out and whatever sign and that they made. Not only did they had to come in and improve the first team, they had to get it right. Okay, there's no point in improving the first team and then the play takes six months to get used to it. And we, we can't afford that luxury anymore. And I mean that financially, and I mean that from a, a, an actual playing perspective as well. It's a transfer window that we had to get right. And from my perspective, looking at it, every one of those players gives us something that we needed: creativity, defensive stability, and the actual ability and decore to actually just be. Again, when I see centre midfielders in this day, day and age, and I don't know if anyone agrees with me on this, I hate the way centre midfielders now are, 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 are sort of put into what? Oh, right, he's defensive, he's attacking. What happened to the old good old-fashioned box-to-box Roy Keane, Steven Gerrard type of player that could actually offer something defensively and offer something in the attack and third? Do you know what I mean? It, it, and I, I think the core is actually that player. And not only that, yeah. from what I've seen in the last two games, he's very, very good positionally as well. Everton had a habit last season when I watched us 
is that they they were never set whenever the second ball came it was the opposition were always there yeah. ever never ever won the second ball and against Tottenham we won the second ball all the time all over the field and whenever the ball in sense of it was seemed to be the Corey that was second to that ball and that's because of his awareness around the play around yeah, I, of where to be at the right time and that, that's not something again that's that's a skill and if for a centre midfielder that's not something that you you, you can coach yeah that's a, that's a natural ability to actually be able to read the game so you, you, you can call it uh for, for, i mean i think people more often term it as football intelligence although it's just yeah, intelligent yeah. form yeah yeah you're right there and that's why i mark I'm, I'm mark that's why i give evidence 10 out of 10 because they've They've checked. Uh, they've checked every. They've ticked every box that they needed, and financially as well. I mean, I when uh, we spoke and you mentioned there about the Allen deal and about our concerns. Uh, I mean, it weren't about Allen as a footballer. I mean, uh, Allen straight away came into Everton, and he's better than anything we've got. But what worried me was the price that they were getting quoted, which was thirty-five million pound initially, and we know Napoli's owner, uh, De Laurentiis. Is quite strict in terms of the the money he gets for his players, and he's quite adamant as well. He, he won't budge, and I'm sure Man City will know that at the moment with Koulibaly. He, he's not going to budge if he's got a if he's got a he's got a price in his head, and that's when I was like, oof, I'm a bit worried about that. That's but obviously we've got him down. To, I think we got him for 22 million eventually, so they've done really well in that sense. So yeah, and then and then the finance for James Rodriguez. I mean, again, it was 22 million. Or I think the initial price that got quoted was 30 million. Then it got down to 22, and then it got down to 14. And now it's it's a free transfer, and we just paid off the remainder of his contract. So, again, that's that's I think that's brilliant business, and I think Marcel Brands deserves credit for that. Absolutely, I, I agree with you there, absolutely, mate. And yeah, yeah and I mean, eight, eight in my opinion is actually a very, very good rating. So that's why I give eight out of ten because, like you said, I, I still think Everton probably can do better, do better in the sense because you don't have the depth, I guess, to you know compete again for someone uh, somewhere like the top four with a manager like Carlo Ancelotti. You need more depth, but yeah, yeah. I think it's it's still I still think it's a really good window. So yes, eight out of ten for me, ten out of ten for you, and I I, I think both both arguments are very very fair. So moving on to Liverpool now. When when we did the Premier League season review, I said Liverpool would finish second. And yeah. I, mean, I, I don't want to I don't want to jinx it, but I still I, I'll still keep it that keep it that way. <laughs> for now <laughs> but but honestly speaking i'm actually more optimistic than i was at that point of time because we we, we actually needed a cover for a left back we actually needed a center back four choice center back or a third choice center back whichever was better and a midfielder i would i don't i don't really think it was like very a, a priority but again a change obviously would have been good and a left side attacker again Sadio Mane backup was very much necessary. We got Simikas, Costa Simikas from Olympiakos, the left back, the Greek left back, who's a very good backup. I think he'll be a very good backup to Robertson. He might even yeah. push Robertson at times, although he, he'll, he'll get a very few games, only a few, few games. You look at the right back, I think Nico Williams is going to start now that Kiana, since Kiana over has left for Wolves, I think Nico Williams might start i'm sorry i mean might be the second choice right back uh, yeah. i mean competing with trent alexander trent alexander arnold i mean james milner is again there i mean he's going to be played in almost all, all areas of the pitch apart from the goalkeeper one part <laughs> yeah so that's also i think covered 
center back i think is a priority still and i think unless we make or pull that off i mean if we pull pull that deal off for a center back i would actually give liverpool a 10 out of 10 window because they've done perfectly well so far thiago is a world class signing and i think he's the first world class player to have signed for liverpool since i started watching football obviously when you say that do you mean he signed as he's already world class yeah that's yeah, that's yeah. that's a yeah yeah Yeah. So I I I think he's he's definitely top four, at least top 3 or top 5 midfielders in the world. I think we've not signed a player who's top 3 or top 5 in the world. When when mm-hmm. when we signed them actually, not after we signed them. So I don't think we've ever signed that kind of a player. So I think that's a world class scope. So yeah. I, and we saw against Chelsea as well although Chelsea were down by one man, but I we saw we already saw the quality uh that he would bring. Yeah, and especially when he gave away the penalty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, 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 I mean, it was basically 6D chess because he obviously had to, you know, uplift Alisson's mentality. You know, Alisson saved the penalty. It was basically 6D chess from Thiago there. Yeah, yeah. Double that. Well, yeah, you took the, you took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I mean, uh, going on to attack as well, Diogo Jota. I mean, I, I, I thought. I mean, this whole summer we were linked with Ismail Assar, the Watford, the Senegalese Watford winger yeah. or striker. I mean, we, we're still linked with him as well. I think there's serious interest there. But the price that was quoted, 40 million by Watford. I thought. I, I always thought that was a little too much. And since it's an overpaying window or overpaying paying transfer time. I, I thought okay we might pay but signing Diogo Jota out of nowhere was a surprise for me and I am someone who likes Diogo Jota because I've seen him play for Wolves a lot I I did some analysis as well yes I mean the the play, the, the the impact or the statistic where he lacked is I think when he shoots the finishing so it's it's probably almost as worse as Firmino was last season and Firmino was probably among the worst converter you could say or the worst finisher yeah. in the Premier League so Jota was also among that group but he creates a lot of chances he wins a lot of penalties he's a pressing machine like Pep Linders has mentioned you'll fit in at Liverpool then if he wins yeah. a lot of penalties <laughs> <laughs> definitely i think the v, i i think this season again var is going to be helping us a lot <laughs> yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. That's why I didn't. That's what I didn't. That's what on on Sunday when I seen Thiago make the tackle. I didn't know whether I was more shocked at the fact that it was Thiago making the tackle, the fact that VAR didn't overrule it and give you a free kick. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Yeah. And just yeah. for any Liverpool fans that listen, I am only joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously, obviously. Yeah, I don't want to be. Uh, I don't be switching off thinking that I actually think that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This whole be uh-huh. this whole Lee pool theory is amazing and funny at the same time. So yeah. yeah. So I mean, so I think it's 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 again. I would again give it just an eight out of ten window because I think unless we sign us unless we don't sign a centre back, it. I mean, we. I I don't think we are complete as a team. I think centre back is still the priority because we saw it, we saw before the Chelsea game. Joel Matip was injured again. I think he's out for a month. Joe Gomez also was out with some small sprain, ankle sprain, I guess, if I'm not wrong. So these two centre backs, the second and third choice centre backs, they are good. They are really good on their best day. But yeah. these two are very, very, very unreliable when it comes to injuries, and their injury record speaks for itself as well. And this is why 
why I think unless Liverpool sign a fourth choice centre back, it's going to be really hard. I know Fabinho has Fabinho filled up, did a great job. He's filled there again. Again, I mean, in the Champions League before against Robert Lewandowski and done a great job. But I don't know if it's it makes more sense to play Fabinho there full time as a fourth choice. If if Joel Matip gets a long term injury, it's again we are again short on that. We just have two regular centre backs and a youngster in Pilikumetio. I, I don't know if he's going to play more, but I think it makes sense if we sign a four-choice centre-back. We've been linked with Ozan Kabak from Schalke. Schalke according a 30 million price, I guess. But I, I don't know if we'll pay. Personally, I don't think so. I don't think we're going to sign Kabak unless we probably offload players like Marco Gruic, Shakiri, maybe Origi, Harry Wilson, yeah. of course, and Rian Brewster. Yeah, I, I still think centre-back's a big, big priority because of what, for, what I've spoken of. A few few minutes back, so I I still give it an eight. Let let me ask you let me ask you this though because there's been a bit of a, a bit of a buzz, hasn't there? Over uh, over the last couple of days with the Diego Jota deal, a bit of a buzz in my household at the price, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, no, is the buzz down to the player himself or the fact that Liverpool caught you off guard with it because he didn't really get linked or something? And it's a bit of a transfer that is a bit. And I know Liverpool are quite efficient with their business is that it's done. It's never sort of it never really lingers on anymore. Yeah. They seem to get the business done quite quickly. Is the buzz down to the fact that you weren't expecting it? Uh, or I, 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 the yeah, quality I, of the player? I, I think it's down to both both of that stuff because Jota wasn't linked with... I mean, all of a sudden, he was pulled out of the Wolves squad for the Carabao Cup match. And that's when, actually, the rumours started flowing in. And the next day, you see he's agreed the deal. And I, yeah. I still think he, he... I mean, the price is a little high. Obviously, the premium for... English clubs, but another factor, I think it's it's both the I mean, what do you call it? It's both the surprise or the suddenness, also the quality of the player because I think a lot of fans were expecting Ismail Asar, but when they heard Diego Jota, I mean, it's again a different. I mean, again, I think Jota is better than Sar. Maybe someday Sar might become a better player, but at the yeah. moment, Jota is definitely a better player. So James Pierce actually came out with this article again. He said that Sar was Sar was on the scout or or on the transfer list. Jota was as well, and also Jonathan David who who signed for Lille. Yeah. So these three players were on the list, and we ended up signing Diogo Jota. So I think it's both down to the quality as well as the suddenness or the surprise or the the way how the move came yeah. about. Yeah. So. So I mean I I I've definitely told I mean given my take on the Liverpool transfers what what do you think is I mean as a as as a neutral and also as a rival fan what's what's your take on or how how the Everton fans treating this <laughs> I mean you can't as much as I want to joke about it the fact that you spent 45 million on a player that was sitting on Wolves' bench most of last season I'm not joking uh, <laughs> no it's you can't you can't it's I think it's a clever signing I think that's the best way of describing it. I think it's a very clever signing. I've mentioned this on previous podcasts when I've been speaking to yourself. Liverpool are in a bit of a tricky situation this summer regarding their transfer business because there's not many players that can come in and improve the first 11. Plus, you're in that predicament that Man United always used to find themselves in under Alex Fakes. And as you're buying, essentially, yeah. you're asking players to come in to be a squad player. Now, if you're, yeah. you want to buy an up and young open uh, up and coming young player who wants to come in and wants to do you know what I mean you're convincing them to come in especially in the forward line which I'm sure I'm assuming that this would have been an issue with Timo Werner and why he might have opted for Chelsea you've, you're asking that type of player to come in and 
essentially be a squad player now. Yeah. So Liverpool were in a bit of a tricky bit of a, a tricky position going into the summer because as as the saying goes, you should always look to buy your players and improve your squad when you're on top. But you, how do you do that? Because you're asking players to come in. So as li- I used to listen, I've listened to yourself, I've listened to Liverpool fans, and similar in that position to what you find yourself in now with your centre half, you're asking, you want a centre half who's going to come in and be of a certain quality to maintain the quality that you've got in the squad. But you're also asking a centre half to come in and play back up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? How do you do that without? Uh, you're not going to get some, say, a player who's about to hit the prime of his career, who is on the verge of becoming that next good player. You're not going to be able to convince him to come in and 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 play second fiddle to Gomez and Van Dijk. So it's a tricky position for Liverpool to be in. So, given that, I think the business that you've done is very good. Now the Thiago one. I mean, first of all, Thiago is a footballer. Like you said, he is world class. He's been one of the best foot, uh, midfielders in Europe for the last five years in world football for the last five years. Uh, he has had his injury problems, but he, he seems to have. I mean, let's face it, the the, the ACL uh, the ACL injuries these days are nowhere near as bad as what they were 20 years ago. You can have those type of injuries and get over them now due to sports science. Obviously, yeah. yeah. As detrimental as what they are at the time, people can get over them. So let's let's not beat around the bush regarding him. He is, as a footballer, he's world class. Uh, he comes in, he gives you that something different as well. Uh, I don't see him playing as the pivot. People are saying, who do you play, Fabinho or Thiago? And I, I see him playing left or right of a three. Yeah. And he gives you something that you haven't got. And I've quoted this before. Anyone who thinks that Liverpool don't need him should watch the Atletico Madrid game at Anfield. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Not because you got beat or you just went out, but because the amount of focus, that the amount of attacks that you actually done down had to do down the wing and the amount of crosses that you're putting in and the reason you were doing that is because Atletico Madrid were forcing you out there because they were happy for you to cross the ball because that suits their defence strength and whenever Liverpool got the ball in the centre midfield I can't remember who was started that night whether it was Henderson or whatever it's called it was Henderson it was Henderson Atletico Madrid didn't have to pull out of their position to press him because they were happy for him to have the ball because he's not as creative and his passing weren't going to break the lines he, he, he knew that once he got the ball in that half space on the right-hand side, he was only going to pass out to Trent Alexander-Arnold and he was going to cross the ball. Yeah. So it, was all, it was all very predictable and suited Atletico Madrid. Now, if you put Thiago in that position in a team like Atletico Madrid who are going to try and sit back and defend the lead, they will have to press him. And the reason they will have to press him is that he will. He might not create as much in terms of getting the final assist, but he will create from a build-up play point of view, and he will break a team's shape because he, he's that more dangerous with his passing. He will yeah. break the lines. So he gives some, he gives Liverpool something that they haven't got. So not only is a world-class footballer, he comes in and he improves a team like Liverpool who've hit phenomenal heights. And it, it's, he gives them something that they've got. So the transfer is an essential transfer. I mean, the finance of the deal, 29 years of old, he's only, only had 12 months left on his contract. So I think the financial side of things is probably getting overplayed slightly. I don't think really. I know people are saying that you got him to 20 million plus. I think it is a five million in add-ons, so it's a potential 25 million overall. I mean, let's not forget he, he's, he's told Bayern that he doesn't want to stay there, and he yeah. was gonna he was gonna he was gonna leave on a free. So I think the finance finance side of it's getting slightly overhyped. But take that away from it. You've got a world-class footballer that comes in and gives you something different, which is quite odd when you've hit the height of Liverpool lad. 
and it also allows you to change the formation. So you can play you can play as part of the two in a four two three one, which we've seen Klopp experiment with in the in the Community Shield and various other games. You can play you can play right or left of a four three three as well. It gives you that little bit more variation now. In regards to the Eagle Jossa, I mean, again, you've got to take the finance out of it. Again, I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong. That's like, you. You've Liverpool have played into Wolves' hands. Wolves have got it's it, it's a transfer that suits all parties. It's because Wolves have got yeah. done very well to get that amount of money. But you mentioned it before that, that there's always a premium when you're buying from a Premiership club. I mean, I think the negotiation will start at 30 million now instead of zero. It must just yeah. be it's it's ridiculous, isn't it? Everton got slammed for it when they bought Richarlison from Watford. For I think I mean I think I think that goes to 45 million eventually after the add-ons, but. I was saying to people at the time, well, what? that's the cost you've got to pay to buy from another premiership club exactly. these days. So, again, you've got to take the finance out of it. But And he is slightly inconsistent if you base him on performances over the course of a season at Wolves. But, again, he's a good player. He's a very good player. He's happy to be a squad player. And he can play at Wolves. He's shown that he can play as part of a two up front when they, when they play 5-3-2. Or three, whatever, three, five, two, whichever way you want to look at it, and he played wide. He played wide left when he played three, four, three, or four, three, three. So this is a guy who's who offers a lot because of that. Just because of that, what I've just said there. Again, there's not many players that can can adjust like that. Yeah. In, in modern football, so it's a very good signing. Whether Klopp is the man to get that and the coaching staff and that, that man to get that consistency from him who knows they got that with Salah Salah weren't that consistent before he got to Liverpool and then he took him to another height yeah uh, and Jota is actually kind of I mean I saw this tweet from Simon Brendish of the Anfield Index who's also a sports uh, scientist so he he's, he'd actually put Sadio Mane's stats at Southampton and Diego Jota's stats uh, at Wolves and they actually look like a statistical clone, which is very yeah. interesting. Yeah, I seen that. I read that myself. I found that very, very interesting. The only, and I think, I mean, that's essentially why Liverpool have gone out and bought them and paid the money that they've got because that's when you when you're trying to. When I'm again, I'm not a Liverpool fan, so I don't know. But I would, as a football fan, looking at Liverpool's squad, you sort of look at it and you think, like, their front three is has hit the level, has hit that level. How do you replace them now without selling one of them? Now, so Liverpool are in that predicament that I mentioned before. You're asking a player to come in and essentially play back up to them. So those stats that you've got there, and Mane for me, I didn't think there was another player like him. For me, he'd been if so. so He's been that good in the last year. I think he's actually gone under the radar because he doesn't seem to get the, the plaudits that Salah gets. Maybe, I don't know why, but for me, as a footballer, he's got to be, he's definitely in the top three players in the league, in the league, in the Premier League. He's so good. I've seen him live. His movements, is, I've had the privilege of seeing him live, even though it weren't a privilege on a night because obviously I'm an Everton fan, so I have to watch him in the derby. But... <laughs> So like yeah. it's not actually a privilege for the ninety minutes, but his movements <laughs> is, is, yeah. is really uh, second to none. But now you, you've got that backup now. You've got that backup and Diego Jota that comes in. The only thing I would say for Liverpool and maybe going going forward is I wouldn't expect Diego Jota to have the impact that Mane has had at Anfield. Just because when you bought Mane, he cut, he, he came into the team straight away. He was coming in as, as a first eleven player. So. Yeah. He was starting with yeah. Israel. I don't think Diego Jossa will come in as that player. So I don't expect people 
don't expect him to have the impact that Mane had, or maybe he might not even hit the heights that Mane had. So those those uh, that data that people have put on there don't I would probably don't expect them to have the impact overall that Mane's had. But again, I mean. His, his finishing ability. I mean, I would ask anyone to watch the Wolves game last year against Everton after the breakdown, after the after the breakdown, so after the lockdown and the restart, and they beat us three 0 at Molyneux. And he hits a first time. He, I think he was first time. I think it was Wolves' second goal. It might have even have been a third when Ruben Neves switched the play. It was a diagonal ball, but in behind Everton's defence. And he caught Pickford out of the front post because he hit it first time. When he first time on a volley, I think it did bounce, and he hit it with his left foot. And it was a, it was a fantastic finish. He, as much as maybe you could, if Everton fans probably used used it to use it as a stick to beat Pickford with on a day, he actually he would have caught most goalkeepers out with that. It was, it was actually a really phenomenal finish. But his movements as well was brilliant. And then his first time hit, I think it was first time. Uh, try my best to forget the game if I'm honest, but. Yeah, exceptional, exceptional finish on a day, and I think he'll be. I think he'll be a really good, really good buy. But over time, that would be my my sort of thing for Jota. Yeah. It, it will be over time, not straight away. Yeah, fair. That's that's fair enough. That's fair. So yeah, so that's it with uh, this episode of the Merseyside Transfer Podcast. So thank you so much to all our listeners as well who's tuned into this show. This is a bonus episode which myself and Chris thought of doing this week because both support the Merseyside clubs and we have some friendly banters and stuff and both of our teams have had a really good transfer window which is which is pretty rare. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. that's it. Well that's it. So far, yeah. so far, I don't know I don't I mean there's still time left, isn't there? There's still Yeah. I don't yeah. Ex- I I don't expect them to make any more moves. I think Everton might sneak a loan centre-half and given the injuries, but I don't expect any more business. I know Zaha's name's getting banded about a bit. So, But it'll be yeah. interesting to see what Liverpool do. Can I just ask one more question to you, Rifford, regarding Diego Jota? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you actually think he will play as a, sort of an understudy to Mane, or do you think... Liverpool might be sneaky with this and use him as an understudy to Firmino? Uh, that's a tricky question and that's a really good question as well. But I think we already have Minamino who's going to push Firmino up there. And the fact with Jota is, I think he fits all three roles in the front three. The left, yeah. centre and the right. So again, it depends. I think it depends on availability as well. Whether he yeah. if, if he fails to play up top instead of Firmino, but yeah. I I think I mean I mean the most likeliest thing is Jota playing left wing for Mane, yeah. and he, and and I saw that his his heat map as well, and he actually gets back a lot. He he plays more deeper as well at times. He presses in in, in deeper areas as well. So when you compare that to Sadio Mane's heat map at Liverpool, I think Jota's is much more deeper at times, which is yeah. also again another promising sign. So I think he's definitely gonna play left wing mostly but you never know you never know because he's he's a player who can play anywhere across the front three so yeah it's, yeah. it's a tricky question to answer at this moment but I, I i personally think i think it's gonna be mostly left wing so, yeah i just uh, the only reason i asked is because like i said many people are looking at the 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 statistical comparison to Mane, but i just think because he played as a two and his movements is good I think Liverpool might catch people off guard and he might play centrally a lot more than what people expect. Especially if Liverpool, especially when he comes, say he's coming off the bench and it's nil-nil or 
anything like that. I think you don't. I, I don't think you'll see him coming on for Mane. I think you'll see him coming on for Firmino. Yeah, that that's very likely, yeah. and 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 I think you, even if that happens, there is also a chance of Mane going on to the right side, Salah playing up top, and Jota playing yeah. up left. That there is yeah. that aspect as well. So, yeah, that's that's a fair uh, pick as well. So that 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 brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you once again, Chris, for joining in. So you're very welcome, mate. Thank you, thank yeah. you for co-hosting as always. <laughs> yeah. So and, uh, until the as I say. Uh, and hopefully by the time the derby comes around next month you're actually getting within touch, touching distance in the league table with us <laughs> <laughs> Hope, hopefully 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 yeah yeah <laughs> so, yeah so yeah that, that brings us to the end of this episode thank you once again to all the listeners so until the next episode bye bye take care